0: Welcome to the Blazer Focus podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian. Just coming off a of Fan Fest on Sunday, and what a Fan Fest it was! I am joined by Craig Burnback today. Craig, I didn't see you at Blazers Fan Fest on Sunday. What were you doing that was more important than checking out this new look Blazers team? Come on, what, what were you up to?
1: Uh,
0: my wife works Sundays, so I
1: was—I uh, went to the Lego store, well, the fake Le- Lego store at Vancouver Mall. So I was doing some Lego action. Uh, and then reading all your tweets to keep up
0: to you. <laughs> So you, you enjoyed my live tweet, my live tweet highlights. Woo, I was cranking them out, wasn't I?
1: Yeah, plus I did enjoy the talent contest. This got, They went singing rather than dancing, even though it felt like an incorporation of both. There was plenty of singing and dancing, but... Scoot Henderson said I think he, you know, little Mary J Blige action. that Dude. was uh, that was pretty impressive. Showman. I mean, he
0: wasn't even born What was he even born when that I song I think he came was out? born that year. He said his favorite song was a Mary Bla- Mary J Blige song called Oh my god, what did he say? I can't remember it. I just it was re- a slow song. Yeah, more of a ballad and sort of mid-tempo and he said he wanted to do something that, you know, was more up-tempo to get the fans going. But yeah, when he came, when he started singing, I'm thinking that I think that was 2001. That's 22 years ago. My man's 19. That was amazing. That would have been like me at 19 singing like a Motown hit or something from the OJs. I don't know. Are they on Motown? And he was,
1: he had the, he had a script, but he went off script most of the time. Like he was, he had that thing memorized that I was impressed, a uh, solid rhythm, good dancing. And they, uh, what I enjoyed, uh, about it is they were into it. You
0: oh tell yeah. that.
1: And that, that's always makes it fun. And, and you got to think that, uh training camp kind of bonded them mm-hmm. and to be able to play out in front of the crowd where the game does not matter at all. And they're just kind of going out there to show the crowd uh, some fun and not get hurt. Uh, but I think the end that, that, that made me smile for sure to see all, all that. Uh, and especially considering these are kids, like these are young oh kids doing this. It was like, a it was like a, I mean, it was like at a college thing yep. that they were freshmen and they're like the same age. So it works. Yeah. It,
0: the older I get, the younger they seem. <laughs> you know, <what> I'm <laughs> And I'm at the point now where like, I mean, my daughter just went to high school. So my middle child is almost as old as a lot of these kids. Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely view them as kids, but like you just talked about how they seem to bond, like the way they were interacting with each other. You could just totally say there was a, a really good connection with the group. Uh, Ryan Rupert did, did a nice job singing uh, Chris Murray and I can't remember who Chris Murray did a do it with. They did a good job. It was way better than last year's. Last year's rookies were Jabari and Shaden. Jabari did a good job, but Shaden's just like too shy. yeah, too shy. And he kept like getting confused or acting confused like what he was supposed to do and like stopping it. And like then Dame had to get on him and say, that's not good enough. You have to do better. You know, and that's just Shadens personality. Whereas Scoot was like, "Give me the mic," and like Scoot, like usually they perform right there at, at, at center court. Scoot was going off towards the baseline and pointing at people in the crowd, like he was, you know, freaking, you know, Usher or something. It was like it was hilarious. But afterwards, I said to him, he is not scared of the
1: he's not scared of the spotlight. No. I think we know. I mean, he's proven that time time again. We knew that, uh, you know, from before the draft, and uh, and he certainly likes. The lights. He's not going to shy away mm. from interviews. Mm. It will be interesting to see um what happens when the players go on a losing streak and and how we will handle that. Because I always say it's easy in the beginning before right. results matter. And the one thing about the pro game is results matter. Uh and much more in the G League, wins and losses don't matter. And while we're not going to I don't think wins and losses are going to really be that important for this year's team. They're professional basketball players. And, you know, he's never played this many games in this many days and he is going to face. And I, I want to say failure. Cause that's the only word there is. He's going to face failure. Like he's never faced before in his, in his young life. Cause he's just been that good. And it'll be the first time that he's really playing against uh, people that he can't just use his athleticism to overcome. So, uh, that always interests me in covering a team to see how those uh, those people react. Uh, people like Brandon Roy, Damon Lillard, they figured it out fast. Um, people like Lamarcus Aldridge, not so much. You know, he didn't he didn't love talking after uh, losses or uh, or give you the full details. And that's not a slight against a person. Sometimes people can't uh, get past what just happened on the court to quickly transition into talking. Uh, with the media and the public. Right,
0: 100%. So, yeah, the struggles are coming, man. Like, it's, I think people are going to be in for a rude awakening when you get past the hype and get into actual playing. So my comparison for him this year is really going to be Jaden Ivey, who for Detroit, you know, he was 16 points, five assists, four rebounds. He shot 42%. That's which is what Scoot shot last year in the G League. He shot 34% on threes. If Scoot does that in year one, amazing yeah he was 27 percent on threes last year uh but you know that's you know he, he had a 103 offensive rating and a 121 defensive rating so that just shows you like even going 16-5 with those decent shooting numbers his offensive rating was 103 because he's just making a lot of mistakes and he was on a bad team this team isn't as bad probably uh but his his offensive win shares were point negative point nine. 0.9 his defensive win shares were positive 0.8 so he had a, basically a zero win share and that's and jade 90 a talented cat who went fourth right he went fifth fifth in the, in, in the draft um he's taller six four, you know super athletic super fast can do a lot of the same things scoot can do you know I, it, it takes a basketball scout who's pouring over film to really tell me the, tell me the difference <laughs> between the two right now uh but that's just an example of where you know he played 74 games he put up solid rookie numbers he didn't impact winning. And I just feel like that's where Scoot's gonna be. So if Scoot, if Scoot did that 16, 5, and 4 and shot those numbers, I'd be absolutely 100 percent cool with his first first year. There shouldn't be great expectations. They're gonna lose a lot of ball games. Now, the only thing I can say I learned from FanFest was that they seem very connected. You, you get nothing out of the basketball yeah. because it's not real basketball. There was a nice alley oop log from Scoot to to Ayton. Um, and I think he reversed it even. Uh and you know, stole stole the ball from Scoot while he was trying to get it to Aiden and, and got a breakaway dunk. Um, Scoot had a horrible brick on a short mid-range jumper that I think was scooped up eventually by Jabari. He followed up. Aiden had Aiden hit a nice mid-range jumper, but Robert Williams didn't even bother to close out on him. You know, like it was just a gift mid-range jumper. So you're getting really nothing out of it, but they just at least seem like they're having fun together. But we'll see how long that lasts, like you said.
1: I think they're going to have to have fun, and they will have fun because they're young, and they know that this is you – know, it's going to be hard for them to lose games, but they, they're they going to be talked to. They already know. Chauncey Billups is a very positive guy. Um, so I think that there will be a lot of smiles. As far as evaluating what matters for Scoot, I don't even know what numbers I care about. I mean, if you look at Sharpe's rookie year numbers, they were nothing impressive at all. But you saw the signs, you know what I mean? You could just see – there's guys you know, like, oh, if if he keeps going like this, he's going to be, you know, something. Right. So while we still don't know about Sharp, we have seen enough to say, oh, no, this guy's got that potential. And for me, uh, I want to see the things that they talk to you about in camp, mm-hmm. that this guy's so fast right. <laughs> and he – and these are guys that played with fast people, Right. You know what I mean? It's not like... <laughs> they were playing you know, with
0: you and they went and played with Skewed, right?
1: Right. I mean, when a, when a guy <laughs> who played with the Celtics last year goes, he's so blinking fast. Like, that means... You know, that's like Ty Hill fast, right? right? Like, all the guys' wide receivers are fast, but people say Ty Hill's super fast, so there's no doubt. and And then it's everything you've ever read in the scouting report. It's why he was the number two overall pick because he plays at a speed that 19 year olds aren't supposed to play at and under somewhat control. Right. Um, so what I want to see is at the point guard position, it's not just your skills, your numbers. It's also what, what do your teammates think of you and how are you controlling the action? So, and on both ends of the court, and that's the one thing you could see with Dame right away. When he was, you know, a rookie, like he took control of the offense and said, "No, I got this." He went from the big sky to the, to the NBA and, and was like, "Oh no no, I got you. I know what play we're going to run, and oh, I'm not afraid to shoot." Uh, I think Scoot's more of a distributor than he is a scorer, so be interested to see where his uh, assist numbers are. But again, if he makes three plays in a game that you go, "Oh, that's what I want to see." You know, I want to see like that this guy does special things because he got picked number two overall. And that's what you need from the number two overall pick is those special things. That's what sharp showed us with his athleticism. And then last year I thought what sharp shooting and his ability to get his shot. Mm-hmm. That's when I went, okay, he dunked last year and you're like, that guy's crazy athletic. Well, Thomas Robinson was crazy <laughs> a- athletic. <laughs> Derek you Jones know, was crazy guys.
0: athletic, right?
1: Right. Yeah. But he didn't do, a step back three in the corner, right, you know, right. with ease. Or, um, so that's what I want to see evaluating numbers. It'll be interesting to see where they are. But, you know, my old rule like, somebody's got to two get, two get 20. somebody got to get an hour. You're not going to lose 120 to zero, right? <laughs> nope. Uh, you're going to get a 100 points. You got to score 20. And some, somebody's got to score 20. And in general, two people have to score 20 when you're on a young team like this and you're going to get minutes. Right.
0: One thing Chauncey said is he said, yeah, man, he looks really good, but he's young, right? Mm-hmm. He's young. True. And this is a point guard telling you he's young. And Chauncey remembers being young. He was drafted, you know, two years out of college. Uh, and so I look at it like <clears throat> there's – I'm just throwing out a number. There's a 1,000 mistakes between being a good prospect and becoming a winning player that you just have to make. Maybe it's 500, maybe it's 2,000 just giving you a number. And they're unavoidable. You have to make them. You have to go through them. And it's going to sometimes look awful. And some nights, you're going to have 15 of those in one night, right? And it's going to be a bad night. But these are things you just need to go through, especially when you're on a team, like, you're not in a situation where people can carry you and you can just sort of fit in as a backup, which would have been the case had they traded for eight and got someone else and kept game. You're probably going to be starting or playing starters minutes. And so you're going to get exposed. You're gonna, you know, it's like it's like a rookie hotshot DB corner coming in NFL because they lock down everybody in the Pac-12. And then all of a sudden, Tyreek Hill is running right by him. They're like, whoa, what's that? Well, because you have to refine your technique, man. You have to be able to study film. You have to be able to give yourself an edge because these guys are going to roast you. It doesn't matter if you're the fifth pick in the draft. They're going to roast you. Same thing NBA. There's not one. I've said this all summer. There's not one score in the NBA going, oh, no, Scoot Henderson's coming to get me. He's going to lock me up. There's not one. Just not a one he's going to have to learn how to play at that level. And that's fine. So I just want, I just, I just feel like there's some people out there who, who think it's going to be instant, God-like. Um, like People are saying they're going to make the playoffs. Oh boy. Like, now, I've if, heard if, it. I've heard if it. they make the playoffs, dude, not. if they finish above 500 and make the playoffs, it would be like one of the more amazing things, <laughs> like, ever. Yes. There's no reason to believe. You don't lose... One of the greatest players in franchise history who had a win above replacement of 12 at a center whose win above replacement based on 538 sports was zero, right? At a forward who can't shoot and a backup role-playing point guard. And then a 19-year-old who didn't put up good efficiency numbers in the G League and all of a sudden you're a playoff team. That just does not happen. So the expectations of the over-under in Vegas right now is 28. If you think they're going to win 41 and you you know it and you believe it and you don't put 50K on that, you're a dumbass. So get out there and put your money on it if you believe it. But in reality, we're just going to see things happen that are going to make people go, oh, yeah. Here's another thing, Shaden Sharp. Like you talked about Shaden Sharp. You know, his numbers weren't great. They weren't. The last 10 games, he was amazing numbers-wise, but, of course, they didn't really have a real team around him. But on – like his win above replace, or his rating, his offensive rating was a one ten, which kind of surprised me. I thought it'd be a little bit higher. His defensive rating was one seventeen, so he was a net rating of a minus seven. And people act like he's just—I think he has potential to be a future All Star. But people act like he's going to come into next this year with Scoot, and they're going to be unstoppable. It just doesn't work that way. So I, I felt like Chauncey said all the right things, um, but. I just felt like he knows. You know, he Oh, they he, know. But Cronin knows too. Yeah, like they you know, yeah. they, they they know what's coming and it's not always going to be pretty. And so this season has just got to all be about growth. Like just just be about growth and maturing together and letting Scoot and Shaden catch up to you know to Aiden and Ant. And speaking of Ant, I mean from everyone I talk to who can actually watch practice, <laughs> Ant's by far the guy. Like, it's just it's just blatantly obvious. He's so much more refined. I mean, we've watched Ant carry the team to victories in the NBA. We've watched him do that. We've watched him drop 45. We've watched him have 11 assists. we had, watched him for two months without Dame two years ago where he and Nurk had the team playing almost 500 basketball, and then they went four in a row, and they shut them down with magical injuries because they were like, we got to stop this. So we've seen Ant... And then last year, I think his numbers last year, like he was like 28 and 7 in games without Dane. So this is his team. And so Scoot's gonna have to take a, a back door to, to Ant. And you know, I sort of feel like you showcase Ant, and then you decide if you're gonna keep Ant and have him be the focal point of your offense in the backcourt, or if maybe you're gonna move Ant and build solely around Scoot and Sharp. To me, that's what most of the season is about. So hope. That's the part. It's not
1: just, you know, growth. It's growth and hope. Right. Because if Sharp doesn't take a step up, and this is a huge year to me, year three, if he doesn't start looking like a real NBA basketball player after playing the minutes that he played in the first two, Wait, who I say who, a real Sharp? NBA basketball Sharp?
0: Sharp. The second year. Yeah. He's a, second he's a year. year I'm sorry. Right.
1: But if he doesn't show, um, yeah, that last year was so long, I think it's two years yeah. in my head. Uh, <laughs> And it kind of was two years, you know, how they – how it was shifted. But I'm saying like – and he doesn't show that, oh, no, this is a guy get could play. Because last year when he played 30-plus minutes, you knew you were losing the game. Right. I mean, that's just the truth. You just knew because something was very wrong and he was going to do exactly what you said with those numbers. He's got to show you that he is a guy that um, plays 30 minutes a game, averages, you know, 18, 19 a game, uh, and has nights where he gets 25 – um, and then you got to hope that scoots everything. You know that potential's there that you see it, and you're like, okay, you know, I'm not. I mean, John Morant showed it pretty fast. You know, what I mean, like we knew, like, oh, okay. And then you know that's how fast things have to happen when you're playing the point guard position in the NBA. If you're going to be a lead guard in the NBA, you got to be able to be good and quickly, or you're not gonna you're gonna get moved, or you're gonna be a failure. I mean it. It's not centers can take a little bit more time, but guards got to show it because they're not gonna. While you might grow and you get, might get a little stronger, your your game is going to be more similar to what you did uh, your whole life as a young person, as a lead guard. Um, so there's hope there. But right. you know, you mentioned so many things. Just travel. Oh my god! I mean, these guys haven't no. done that kind of travel. They don't know, hey, put the video game down. Like, it's time to go to bed. Like, the freedom and the – you don't travel like this in the G League. Um, So he's going to experience this. Now, everything you read and you hear from people is he's exactly the kind of guy that's going to get it, right, you know, pretty quickly. But you still can't get it in one day and be great. And there's not – he needs – the only way this team makes the playoffs is if his scoot is great. And he's just not going to be there. Now, I don't the Simons thing to me, there's no doubt he's the best player on the team. You know, to me, it's it's Simons, Ayton, and Grant are your three best players. Right. Because they've proven it in the NBA. Um, and then you hope on the other two. But I, I don't know. I don't want to get back to this Simons scoot sharing the lead guard thing again. And so to me it's Simons so this you're this not gonna came be the lead. Up. this
0: came up yep yes so okay. okay so who do you think's gonna start did did, did did he give you anything did Chauncey give you something so here okay so first you you mentioned Moran as a great comp um, he was 18-7 as a rookie shooting 48 and 33 if scoot does that <clears throat> Hallelujah right oh my goodness right um okay so the two big decisions obviously are. Which of the two of the three guards do you start at guard? And if you don't start sharp at a guard, does he start at the three? And the only other option really there is Matisse Stiebel. You're not going to put Grant at three and Williams at the four because Williams is a complete liability starting at the four. He does not shoot at all. So having him, they just don't want to do that. That's already been decided. Grant starting at the four. So who's going to start at the three? Well, I think it's obvious that's going to be Matisse Stiebel. I gave, with the first practice, we were told to be there about 12.30, 12.45. We didn't get in until 2, and interviews were until 2.15. <laughs> so I started grilling Billups on small forward, and uh, we had a little back and forth. I go, you, you you, kept us out there waiting for an hour and a half, so I'm going to grill you. Yeah. And he started laughing. He's like, you can grill me all you want. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And so then later, I, I was joking about how uh, I was basically trying to make him come up with a starting lineup, you know, day one but I was mainly joking, but I wanted some hints and the hints have been that it's going to be Matisse at the three. Right? So if it's Matisse at the three, so now we're just dealing with the fact that one of those three guards has to come off the bench. Um, What was told to me in the summer was that it would probably be ant and sharp starting unless scoot is so good. You've got to start him at the point because of the way he's able to push the ball and facilitate. They want to play fast. And so I think what's going to happen is that they're going to decide we want to play fast. Scoot is just ridiculous when you get him the ball in terms of playing the fast and attacking. That's what we want to do. So we're going to start him, and then we're going to start Ant, because Ant is going to start no matter what. It's clearly the best of the three guards. It's not even close. Yeah. And then Shark comes off the bench at the two and at the three. And then you have Brogdon playing some point. Ant can play some point. Like You can mix and match there in terms of what you want to do. But that's sort of where I think it's going to be. Scoot, Ant, <clears throat> Matisse, Grant and DeAndre Ayton. That said, if I'm really, really trying to win and Shaden has made a big jump like they claim he has, I'm starting Ant and Shaden <laughs> and, and Matisse. This is what I'm doing. To me, the only reason you start Scoot is because he was number three pick in the draft and you kind of make me feel pressure to do so. I don't believe Chauncey operates that way. I think he wants to try and win. I think he wants guys to earn their minutes, but it just seems like Scoot's been so good in camp at doing what they want to do. That they're going to go ahead and roll the dice and, and start him. At the end of the day, though, it doesn't matter that much because there's going to be plenty of minutes for all three of them to get at least yeah. 30. So I think you're going to be fine there regardless. But back to what you just alluded to a second ago, if you start scooting Ant, you're right back to having two, a six foot two and a six foot three backcourt, which ain't going to work. But again, are they trying to make it work this year anyway? So maybe it just doesn't matter.
1: No. Yeah, I don't think it matters. And I actually doesn't don't, ma- it doesn't matter who starts game one either. You know, they play – they kind of – you know, they're going to – it's a long season when you're not looking to make the – when the playoffs and the championship aren't your overall goal. It's a long season no matter what. So who cares in a way who starts in the beginning? But I think mentality-wise, I think it matters to Scoot, and I think it matters for, to the franchise to start him. You picked him third overall. I kept saying second because I keep forgetting that someone. <laughs> the Rockets didn't draft him uh, third overall. Like, there's, I, I just think you do it. Um, I, the problem's going to exist whether you start him or not because Simon's is your best player. You know, like, like not starting. No, he, Simons, he needs stri- to start.
0: Yeah, like when I say not matter, well, I'm, not, I'm not on saying my like, you have to start him.
1: But Scoot's got to start eventually, or else this whole thing is a waste. Like, why'd you pick him third and trade Dame? Right, like. If, if he's not a starter eventually they're And even if they don't start, they're going to end up playing together for a majority of the time. Right. So you got this problem, whether you start it or you don't start it, like it doesn't matter. They're both going to play 30 minutes a game plus, and eventually they're going to have to both be starters and neither. I mean, I guess Scoot's still young enough. Maybe he gets to be six, seven, maybe there's a miracle, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like your problem exists. <coughs> um, regardless of who starts and who doesn't start. And to me, I, I, you know, if I was a betting man. Like I would tell every, I am a bit of a betting man. So uh, I would tell everyone, don't listen to uh, Fenters. Do not spend bet 50,000 that the places are gonna, gonna go the over like no matter how, how good you feel about it. Um, but I would bet that Simons is not going to be here in, in two years, no. you know, or, I mean, I just don't get it. Like I said to you from the get go, when you drafted Scoot, you've decided he's your point guard of the future. You just you no one decides in this league anymore that your six foot two guy is your two guard of the future. Like it's not smart planning. It doesn't work in the NBA. So to me, um, none of it matters yet because you're not trying to win. But eventually, he's the older guy. Um, you better hope that Scoot pushes him out. If you're the Blazers, because if not, you're trading Scoot and and it didn't work out. So, um, I mean, unless they think that somehow that whole system that they blew up and told us they blew it up because they realized they couldn't get any further with two small guards. Yeah. You know, somehow this
0: is a difference. Chauncey made some statement about how, you know, it's nice to have because he said he, he considers Ant a... You know, not necessarily a point or a two guard. He's a lead guard. He needs the ball in his hands to create, yep. but he's not necessarily a natural facilitator. The um, whole while I'm thinking, okay, so he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. Right, and then he talked about, but sometimes it's good to have two guys on the court because you can attack in different ways. With and, and i was thinking, okay, yeah, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. No, it worked. CJ McCollum, game, yeah. that worked pretty good sometimes. Yeah, it, it worked, but it had a ceiling. Pretty darn but good. But it had a ceiling. And yep. ideally, yep. ideally. You're either rolling with Ant as your lead guard slash point guard and sharp, which means Scoot's got to get traded, which they obviously didn't want to do that, or you've got to move Ant and preferably for a legit small forward because that's another problem. Until they get a legit small forward, no offense to Matisse to, no Diebel, I, I can't even remotely take them seriously as a playoff team because you, you can't have a six foot five small forward next to your six foot three two guard and your six foot one point guard. You're almost back to what you had last year when you had Hart there, or the year before when you had Powell there, a couple inches taller. But Powell and Hart were far more dynamic than Matisse. Matisse is a high-end defender, but he can't create his own shot. He's not gonna, if he's wide open, he can knock down the three, right? But if someone comes at him, he's got to move and go off the dribble and get inside and pull up a mid-range jumper. If I'm a defensive team, I want him to do that all day long. He's just not that kind of guy. So At times, he's going to look great on defense. He's going to make some plays. He's going to hit some threes. Great. But over the course of games and over the course of the season, it's a huge hole. So ideally, you're going to flip Ant. If Ant were 6'7", you could play him at the small forward. You're golden, right? You're great. And then he could play some point forward. But he's not. So Ant's got to go eventually. Plus, if you're going to end up wanting to go with Scoot and sharp as your backcourt, then Ant should go somewhere he could be the lead guy anyway. So to me, you showcase the hell out of Ant. You let Ann go out there and do whatever he wants, however he wants to do it to put up the num- numbers he wants to put up. And then you try and trade the guy. It'll break my heart into a million pieces to see him gone. I prepared for it all summer. <laughs> I escaped the summer without it happening. But I just, you know, to me, there's still so many questions about this roster beyond the talent level. It's just the, the fit isn't even there in most cases. And also, I mean, like, you know, the Jeremy Grant thing. I mean, Jeremy Grant to me is a small forward trapped in a, sort of power forwards kind of body without the bulk who can't or doesn't rebound like he should at that position but can hurt you offensively but probably shouldn't be guarding threes extensively but can guard forwards because he's not, like it's just he's just like this tweener both ways that presents problems as well if you don't have enough around to mask his issues and he's like you said a top three player on the team so it's there's just so many fit problems with the squad. I just can't imagine them coming close to making the postseason. And we haven't talked about injuries yet. Heaven forbid, a couple guys what? go down. Like oh. last year, and you're screwed. Then you didn't lose 10 in a row and everyone's like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> Look, Matisse Steible is a piece. The
1: reason why he start he wants to start because he needs some guys who've played NBA basketball <laughs> in the starting lineup. <laughs> and that's it. Matisse six 6'5. He's small too right. for a small forward. Right. He's a 2-3. And and you were trying to be nice and Matisse Thybul making 11 million dollars a year cuz he's a role player in the NBA but he's averaged 5 points a game for his career. I mean he's never you know, he doesn't even play much, you know, minutes wise. Last year for the Blazers, I mean he's never he averaged more than he's ever averaged where he almost averaged 30 minutes a game because they were terrible. You know, mm-hmm. w- right. with Philly,
0: the guy was p- barely playing. Yeah, he used to start for Philly, then he lost his starting what I mean? job. Like, yeah, he, he started for Dibble's a- and he lost the starting job. Was only playing twelve right. minutes a game when he, when when Philly traded him. The year before that, he only played seventeen. Year before that, twenty five. So he kind of ever since his, his second year, he's kind of fallen off minutes wise, big time.
1: Right, but and he was playing because he could play defense and he was filling a role. He's a role right. player. I'm just saying, like you can trade and Tybuls not going to be on this team when they're really good if they get to be really good, you know I mean? He's 26. He's (coughs) going to get traded. He's a piece. Or if he is, he's coming off the bench as a defensive
0: stopper playing 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. But I mean, sure. Fine. (laughs) He's just not a, he's, he's an NBA player. The reason why, in my opinion, if Phillips starts him, he's like, well, I got to start someone that uh, actually knows rotations and knows who he's guarding. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, these guys, they don't like, scoots like, what does this guy do? I saw him on TV. I played him on video games, but you have never actually been in front of him. Like, Thibodeau could say, "Hey, he likes to go left on this, and they run this pick and roll, and it's not just from watching video; it's from actually doing it." So, um, yeah, but I mean, he we keep talking like Thibodeau's a legit small forward. He's more of a two, you know. He's six five. Um, he's just can guard because he's so he's so gifted on the defensive end right. that you don't worry about the deficiencies on that end. But he's not, you know, on offense. He's be beyond and not you know he's not a real factor um so that part but again like none of this matters to me who starts and especially in game 1 it's just interesting to see what billups is going to do and how he's going to uh assemble his roster uh but the number one thing is what is we should find out now there's no reason not to find out what chauncey billups wants to do as a coach and you mentioned play fast mm-hmm. um, which is funny because he wasn't the fastest at point guard. So I love that a little bit. Like, you know, um, what else did you take from training camp and talking to these guys about what kind of system Chauncey Billups is going to run? Because now he doesn't have to worry about, well, I got to run this because this is what Dame does.
0: Right. Well, you have a point guard who likes to push the pace and go, who's ultra fast and athletic. And then you got a center who obviously is way more athletic and agile and gifted than Nurkic who can get up and down the floor. And that's what they're tr- they're, they're going to try and manufacture points in transition, because I think they know the half court is going to be suspect you know, a lot of times. Like I don't think they're going to win playing a half court uh, heavy game, so they want to use their athletes and get up and down the court. So I think you know I I think that's what we're going to see is that they're just going to attack and then pull back if it's not there more so than they've ever done. Dame wasn't necessarily it wasn't a guy who couldn't run or wasn't athletic, but they just didn't necessarily run that style where they were trying to, to force the issue because Dame was such a dynamic scorer that sometimes forcing the issue for Portland meant pushing the ball courts court so Dame or CJ could shoot a three, right? Because <laughs> so those two... I mean, Dame can attack the basket, but he's not going to rise over people. CJ, whenever he got into the paint, it was like he's about to get swatted. Scoot's going to be able to rise over some people, and he's such a gifted mm-hmm. passer and has such great vision that when he gets into that paint, if it's not there, he's giving it up. Like his mindset is to draw the defense, not have a shot, and then give the ball to someone else, whether it's close by or kick it back out. That's his mindset. Where a lot of people's mindset is I'm gonna get to the basket and try and score. It's one of the things that pisses me off about John Morant, he's so reckless. Like he'll get into the paint and there's someone seven foot two eighty standing there, and he's gonna go over and try and dunk on him and he ends up on the ground breaking something. Exaggeration, but you get my point. Scoot's different scoots gonna end up in that position and dump it off to the guy, the seven footer should have been guarded, or kick it out to an open three-point shooter. So that's sort of the goal, man. Push, 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 kick, attack, attack, kick it, kick, you know, and try and manufacture points that way. Yeah, when you describe that, it just makes me think, like, on this team, if
1: Simon's not out there, they probably can't score in the half court at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like, well, no, Shane's, Shane's a, good in the half
0: court. Shane's good in the half
1: court. I'm just saying, but though. He's young. Like, yeah. He hasn't been – he hasn't had a lot of – moments. No. most of his moments are on the break. Um, or driving to the basket, not in a
0: control you know, a set, set your offense, yeah. like
1: run the play. Right. Like they didn't run a lot of plays for Sharp until the end of the year. Yeah. So the only person like, you know, obviously Ayton is not a guy that had a lot of plays run for him in Phoenix for obvious reasons. He can do what he can do and will probably I'm just saying the half court your best setup, if I was me right now, looking at it with, you know, my tons of NBA coaching experience, <laughs> I'd be running something with a two man game between Simons and Aiton, right? Like that's your best bet Uh, as far as if you need, you know, 13 seconds on the shot clock and uh that's the guy who knows how to do it. And he's great at it. I mean, he is a guy that has probably been slowed down by the Blazers offense uh because of the way they've, they've played. So it'll be interesting to see what he'll be like up, you know, running. Cause we always say we'd like like to see the dunk contest winner dunk more. So, we might we might get some of that. So, that'll be fun. We might. All, All right. right. Preseason starts
0: uh, tomorrow, right? New Zealand Breakers on Tuesday nights. We'll see how many of the regulars play. I'm sure Scoot and Sharp will play a lot. They need development obviously. So, that should be Scoot's debut and then you got the Suns on Thursday also at home and then they go on the road Saturday to Utah, Monday to Phoenix and they have about a week off until the opener at the Clippers on the 25th. It's here, man. It's here. Harry, let's go. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. He is Craig Burnback. Please click that subscription button. What, I say we watch these two preseason games come back Friday. What do you think? Does that sound good? I'll check the check schedule? schedule. Check the schedule because we got we got a breakdown. We got a sky is falling or they're going to the championship podcast coming after the first two preseason games uh, soon after uh, Thursday's action. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later.